Good morning. It has been called the supreme beatitude because while there are a number of beatitudes in the Old and in the New Testament, Acts 20 and verse 35 says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. There's a lot to think about in that statement. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Isn't that really the heart of Christianity? When we think about it, let me give you these statements and ponder them with me. One can give without loving. One can give without loving, but no one can love. Loving then can be a reflection of the depth of one's love. Think of this statement. Grace does not make giving optional. Grace does not make giving optional. We understand as the people of God that we can never pay God back for all of His blessings, for His great grace to us. We understand that. But grace must be responded to with appreciation, with humility, with giving. Think of this statement. Faith grows only by giving. Faith grows only by giving. Faith grows by the giving of our minds, by the giving of our hearts, by the giving of our will. Faith grows by the giving of our time and our resources and abilities. Therefore, giving in the sight of God, is a reflection of our love, a reflection of our gratitude for grace, a reflection of our faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 7, the Word of God says, Abound in this grace also. Abound in the grace of giving, Paul would write. In our study of God's Word this morning, I want you to know this. I'm glad the church needs giving. I'm glad the church needs our giving. And let me analyze that statement briefly. I'm glad. I'm happy. I rejoice, I thrill that the church needs money. The church. I rejoice that God's family, 1 Timothy 3.15. I rejoice that the body of Christ, Colossians 1.18 and 24. I rejoice that the people of God need money in accomplishing the will of God. 
the last part of that statement. I'm glad the church needs money. Money's a sensitive subject, especially in a church setting. But it ought not to be for the church of God. You see, the idea that the people of God want to honor God and to grow and to make sure His name is spread throughout the nations requires money. And until the Lord returns, the people of God, the church of God, because of their desire to glorify God and to bring souls to Him, will always need money. It's just the way it will be. And so the consistent and generous giving of members will be mandatory until the Lord comes. People who love the Lord see giving as a reflection of love and grace and faith. Let me illustrate it this way. I'm going to become a grandpa, a pops again. And while I have been overjoyed at the prospect of that, parents don't realize how much those little bundles of joy cost. Amen? And when they're little, buying diapers or a diaper service, if you're going with the old-fashioned way, or keeping up with the diapers and making sure they're clean. There is an investment of time, resources, money. When those children are little, and it only gets bigger, doesn't it? Because as children get older, the expenses tend to become greater. Can you say braces? Can you say cars? How about college tuition and books? I'm still glad that I have the kids, aren't you? And now grandkids, so my kids can know what it was like for us when we were trying to bring them up. Investing in the lives of others so they can draw closer to God. That is how we must think of giving. Just like a parent invests in the, life of their the lives of their children, so and even more we invest in the lives of people so that they can grow closer to God. When one dies, the need to keep on making payments on their behalf for something ceases eventually, doesn't it? But as long as they're here with us, there's an investment. As long as we're here on earth, 
Working with God, 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 1. Workers together with God, there will be the need to give. What I want to do is relatively painless this morning. Two thoughts concerning New Testament giving. The basis of New Testament giving and the impact of New Testament giving. All right? The basis of New Testament giving, the impact of New Testament giving. Let's talk about the basis. You know, I mentioned that this is a sensitive subject, and it's a sensitive subject because so many religious groups, so many denominations have twisted and perverted what the Word of God says that now we basically have a world that reacts and says, all that churches ever ask for is money. That's not true of the New Testament church. If you come to Westside any length of time, we have not had to talk a great deal about money and the need for money because the people of God have been quite generous here over the years. I believe as a gospel preacher, if we talk about Christianity and godliness and the pursuit of greater love and appreciating God's grace and growing faith, the matter of giving will take care of itself. And for many years now, that seems to have been true here at Westside. But because we, we, we've got so many younger families and younger members and some of those wonderful examples of very gracious, generous giving that existed among us have gone on to be with the Lord, I don't think it's wrong to talk about it. But when you come to Westside, you will often hear us talking about glorifying God, the greatness of Jesus... The necessity of faith, the magnificence of His grace, you'll hear the Word of God a lot, but we haven't had to always talk about giving. Isn't that what a lot of churches do? And really, we don't do that here. So please don't say we do. It wouldn't be fair. Secondly, When we talk about giving and its basis in the New Testament, we never ask our guest to give, only our members. It's not required of guests to give. No one's coerced, no one gets their arm twisted as a guest here to put something in the plate. You may if you wish, but we believe that Members of the congregation should generously, graciously support the work of God being done here. That makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Because we are engaged and passionate about the work this congregation is doing to save souls to the glory of God. Here's another thing to consider about the basis of New Testament giving. Far different from much of the religious world... New Testament giving is quite simple. Upon the first day of the week, let each one of you lay by in store as you have purposed in your heart and give. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 1 and 2. 
That is magnificently simple. And if you noticed our giving just a few moments ago, it was without any fanfare. No trumpets were blowing. Simple way of expressing our love and faith and gratitude to God. The basis of New Testament giving... While Adam and I are preachers here, I think it's important for those that may not be familiar with the people of God to realize we're not the ours, uh, ours off the top. We don't have a great deal of say in what goes in. We have influence in how money might be utilized, but far different from most religious groups, preachers of the gospel, though supported by the generous offerings of others, We are not in a position to to be the head and determine who's getting what when. The shepherds of the congregation, the elders do. And they have a lot of input from various uh, people, deacons in the congregation, committees, individuals. I hope that explains something about the basis of New Testament giving. But now let me talk to you about the impact The impact of New Testament giving. Children, if you're listening to me, are you listening to Mr. Mike, everybody? If you're under 12, stand. If you're under 12, stand. There's a lot of little people standing, but they're really big people. They have big hearts. Think about their education in Jesus. And our giving on the first day of the week helps educate our young in the ways of the Lord. Thank you all so much. We love you. We appreciate you. And it's an investment to make spiritually just like a parent will make in their children's lives academically. Think about it. Y'all can all have a seat now. They, they just like standing so much. They're going to keep... We see you. We like you. I couldn't have asked them to do that, and it would have been more effective. But anyway, ahead of time. But think of the investment there. And think of how the church here and so many other places has been blessed by the investment Westside has made in educating our youth in the ways of God. The impact of New Testament giving, secondly. It is amazing to think about the gospel preachers that you have supported over the years to preach the gospel locally and elsewhere, as well as the missionaries that have been supported by this congregation. A church in West Texas has had impact on Fiji, New Zealand, Argentina, the Caribbean. This congregation has. 
So here in West Texas, by all of us working together with God, we have been able to collectively do far more than any one or two or ten of us could have done together or by themselves. I can assure you that Alan, that Alan, see there you are in front of me, that Adam and I, as the preachers here, are really grateful for your financial support. We thank God for you and your support of us and our families, and we do not take your support lightly. But I know the same thing is true with Andrew Solomon and with Rod Kyle and with Denzel Roberts and with many others that we have supported through the years. Think about the impact we make as a congregation just considering the fact that from Bear Valley Bible Institute in Denver, Colorado, in the work that we do with them, there are approximately 50 to 60 preachers and wives going out every two years. Every two years. And that's just an example. I have in my, in my pocket a thumb drive from Polishing the Pulpit. It's not advertised much here at Westside, but at Polishing the Pulpit, a large lectureship held in East Tennessee every year in August, a thumb drive is produced with nearly all of the lessons the church here at Westside makes these available to about a hundred men in schools of preaching. Probably didn't know that, did you? And our elders, I've come to have more and more confidence in them and their desire to do good things because they really believe that to whom much is given, much is required. And though we are not a large congregation We live in an area that has been blessed. People have recognized that, and we have sought to help other people through the years. I think of Bob Sperlin. You remember him? You probably won't if you've only come in the last uh, four years or so, but Bob Sperlin was a gospel preacher that had MS. He could not walk, and for a long time he had to have help speaking and eating. He wrote books like books, these that I'm holding here, Tackling Life's Troubles, Dial 911, Essentials to Living in the 21st Century. And he wrote books and spent his days typing on a computer. And for a while he had to use his mouth to type on the keyboard. Later on, things became available to him for him to use. I want you to know this. He lived in Alabama, but the church here in Texas at Westside supported him for a number of years until he died. And then our elders sent his wife a check for six months' salary after he died. They didn't advertise that. I'm telling you now, several years after the fact, a congregation multiplies the great good that can be done
for God's glory and the salvation of souls when members are committed to the generous, gracious support of the work of God. The impact of giving is this. When we give on the first day of every week, we are making a statement that we are enthusiastic and positive about the work of God, that we're not giving up, that we're not giving in, that we're not becoming introspective and isolationist, but that God can still do great things when His people believe in Him. Giving is a reflection of our love. One can love. No, one can give without loving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. I better get it right. Grace does not mean that giving is optional, but rather it's an expression of gratitude. Faith grows when it gives. I am so glad this church needs money. If it didn't, the loss would be ours and the kingdom's. Think about this one with me. The older I have gotten, the more I am convinced that I don't want to leave a legacy that moth and rust will eat away. I want to leave a legacy that lasts longer than that. And God is willing to use our giving so that a legacy is left that impacts eternity. Amen? I'm glad the church needs money. And you should be too. We're about to stand and sing our song of encouragement. It may be that there's a person here that wants to respond in faith and love to the great grace of God. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Praise God. Maybe you want to come and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and be added to the church because you don't want to travel the road of sin any longer. That is so great. It may be that as a Christian you feel like I've gotten so caught up in stuff and things that they consume me and that they worry me all the time and I want to evaluate my life, look to the Lord and leave a legacy that's much more lasting than just a bunch of stuff that rust and moth will eat through. We're about to stand and sing this song, but think about what we've been talking about in our singing, our praying, and sermon. Christianity involves every aspect of our lives. Let us stand and sing.